Hello and welcome back to the other 99% podcast. We take a step back from the 1% marginal gains that society has become obsessed with and instead focus on the other 99%. Throughout this series, we will discuss all things related to self-actualization and becoming the very best possible version of yourself. I'm your co-host, Tom Osmond, as always joined by George Cook. And today we are doing our third episode. Is that Third episode, yeah. On the topic of sleep. Yeah, three quarters of the way through. Lovely stuff. Yeah, how's your week been? Um, yeah, it's been good. I've been I've been pretty busy this week. I've been moving my stuff back from Manchester, sorting out the garage, buying some gym kit, uh, and yeah, just generally like trying to sort my life out a little bit. Yeah, how's that going? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great to be twenty eight and living at home. That's um. I've pretty much made it, I think. It it would only be a problem if you were 29 quite soon, though. Yeah, but if I had to define success in a couple of sentences, I'd probably say live at home when you're 28. Yeah. With a job or without a job? Uh, in between. <laughs> in between jobs, nice. Yeah, there's a word for that, isn't there? I actually don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the current life situation. Excellent. Happy? I'm, I'm quite happy, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? It's an exciting time. Well, I'm happy because it's been sunny and I've been outside a bit more. Yeah, fair. Um, I've been enjoying the sun this week, actually, to be fair, but not in the UK. Uh, yeah, it's been nice. Off in Italy? Uh, Spain. Uh, why do I keep saying Italy? Did you go to Italy before? That's where you went um, last time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, makes me sound like some sort of avid jet. It's really not the case. It's not the first <laughs> two times I've been abroad in about six years. But um, yeah. yeah, we did five days away in Mallorca, which was absolutely lovely. Um, I don't like hot countries. I, I just I struggle in the heat. I just find myself sweating and I just want to get to the shade the whole time. Um, but this was perfect. It was like 20 degrees, warm enough to lie on the beach, but not hot enough that you felt like you couldn't cool down. Um, yeah, it's perfect, actually. Absolutely perfect. You don't know that tanned, actually. Well, maybe it's the lighting. I think I'm more tanned than you. <laughs> um, do you drive the Ferrari down? No, we flew. Didn't take the Ferrari. Oh, um, they've got different rules on speed limits and things. So, yeah, Ferrari would be wasted there. Um, are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I actually, um, what was nice was I had quite a lot of time to to do a bit more reading um so read quite a bit more into today's topic about sleep and um did you really read naval's book so i bought that and steve magnus's do hard things um yeah, steve magnus things. wrote that book about running didn't he i've read that one i haven't read his running book um I would, I he, would he, his, ba- his background is athletics but he this one's about um resilience which is actually really quite good so um, probably touch on that at some point um, in the future. I'm sort of about halfway through it at the moment, but it's, it's been a really good read. So it's nice to go away and not have the same kind of obligations that you normally do. You just got a bit more time to to relax and and read and I don't know, fly on the beach. It was lovely. Decent. Yeah. Um, also been enjoying my increased sleep scores from being away as well. Yeah, 
I didn't actually, I know you screenshotted your thing and sent it to me, but I didn't actually look at it. Well, that was my six month one that basically said I've never removed my sleep debt in the last six months, um, according to Whoop. But in the last like week and a bit, I've been sleeping more than it said has been required. So like taking the lessons, I actually think it has been because we've done the research into this topic that I've thought about it more and I paid more attention to it. Yeah. Because when they sent you the um, Whoop give you like this annual statistic and they told me that I woke up earlier than like, I don't know, 90% of people or something. And I was like, oh, maybe I can get up earlier than 99% of people next year. Um, but having done all this research, I realised it's actually quite a stupid goal to have. Um, I'd rather wake up later than most people and <laughs> sleep more. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather sleep a bit more. I still wake up early. And I still hate my Whoop strap. <laughs> I, I lost the charger for a week, so I didn't wear it for about a week. And now I'm wearing it again. Just going back to telling me my recovery is 20% each day. Excellent. Do you know what else also really annoys me? The Garmin, um, what's it called? Like performance. You know the thing that pops up on your watch after about 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah. What, what is that called? What, the? do you mean the sleep performance? Or the exercise? No, no, exercise performance, yeah. After a session, it tells you like how long you should recover for and stuff like that. No, no, like when, like during your session, after the first ten minutes, it'll pop up. Oh yeah, it tells you like how you're performing, and I've maybe just done a warm up or something, and it's like good baseline or poor, isn't it? Yeah, cause I was ten minutes into my park run this morning, it told me I was minus two, and I thought brilliant. Yeah, because <laughs> it, well, it, so it does it on heart try. rate versus speed, but it's such a, a false thing because if you start running uphill. So your speed's down and your heart rate's up and then it's like, oh, you're minus whatever. So yeah. you start running downhill, it's like, oh, you're plus and then it increases your VO2 max and it's all a bit the, uh, not the that accurate. Now, the newer ones now measure power, don't they? That's the next thing in running. What, in the foot pod things? Uh, yeah, I have seen those foot pods, but I don't know, the physio at work just got a new watch and it gives them a power score each time he runs. Gosh, no, I haven't seen that. I don't want to know how much power it takes to lift my heavy ass up a, up a hill to be honest i don't want to spend about 700 quid on the watch but there you go yeah that's the other downside to these things now they're starting to just get up astronomically aren't they yeah the yeah there was a new one that popped up on one of these advertising emails that somehow i'm subscribed to and it was over a grand for the new garmin yeah it's silly, isn't it? utterly ridiculous um but there we go there we go um should we get into sleep yeah, let's crack on. What, yeah. what are we actually, what specifically about sleep are we talking about today? Uh, the main focus about sleep is going to be on dreams and uh, sleep conditions. So I think sleep conditions are quite interesting. I, I really didn't know anything sort of beyond insomnia. And I think people have probably heard of that term before. But in terms of how they're defined, uh, what they mean, what they can mean for your health, etc. Um, but I thought, I thought the dreaming was interesting uh to an extent i kind of thought this was this topic was gonna like answer I, I i came away with quite a few questions at the end of it which i think is a good thing and i think that when we talk them through here it will probably become a little bit more um coherent in my mind but um there's a lot of research into dreaming and i think what was interesting for me was how you go about research research into dreaming because how can you kind of find out you can't read the minds of what people are doing but it turns out you actually can um 
so the first thing I thought was um, quite amusing was that um, in this book they they said, well, last night you became uh, flagrantly psychotic, which isn't a compliment in any stretch of the imagination. Um, and it said, before you disagree with that, let me offer five justifying reasons. And they were, uh, you started to see things that weren't there, so you were hallucinating. Um, you believed in things that could not possibly be true, like you were flying or something like that, so you're delusional. Um, you became confused about time, place, and person, so you're disoriented. You had extreme swings in emotions, um, and you woke up in the morning and completely forgot about it. So you basically had like a lot of the signs and symptoms of a psychotic break, yet we just call it dreaming because it happened while we were asleep. Um, I thought that was an interesting way to look at dreaming because I've always thought of it as something quite pleasant. Um, obviously, nightmares are a thing, but on the whole, dreaming is quite a pleasant experience. Um, and we'll sort of go into why that is and, and why it's important to us from a, an emotional and a mental health capacity. But yeah, to be called um, or told that you had a psychotic break overnight was interesting. Yeah, I've, I've not had a psychotic break recently, I don't think. Well, you forget what you dream, don't you? Well, that's the point. You forget a lot of what's happened. Yeah. Um, but in some of this research, you, you're you able to recollect depending on the time of waking. So um, I think a lot of misconception about dreaming is that we we think that it's a reflection of our daily lives and experiences. Uh, and we'll come into this in a little bit more detail in a bit. But I don't know if you go to work uh, and then you dream about work um or you dream about an argument you've had with somebody we assume that we're doing that because of an experience we've had at work but actually um when this research was completed they found that only one to two percent of dreams were actually linked to daily life experiences but over 50 percent um i think it got as high as 65 in some experiments was linked to the emotions so depending on the emotions that you had experienced in the day, that influenced the type of dream you had. So just because you were at work in your dream or on holiday in your dream or whatever it was, that is relatively inconsequential. It's the emotion that's driven you to that point, not the experience, which yeah. when you kind of dream about having been somewhere that you've never been or talking to someone that you don't know, like that's why it's the emotion that's driving that, not the the actual experience. I mean, that, that, is, that is quite interesting. Yeah, I suppose you could argue that emotions are driven by experiences and therefore it links that way, but it's not a direct um, correlation or causation between the two. Yeah. Um, and then they sort of um, went into a little bit more detail on this. So they put these um, uh, pads, like these nod nodules, not what they're called, nodes, nodes, um, yeah. nodes on, your, on your head to kind of monitor brain activity while people were sleeping in a lab. I actually don't know that I could fall asleep in a lab. All these people that volunteer for these studies and they end up in deep sleep and things like that. I like having my own bed. Um, I think it'd be quite weird to know that you're being watched while you're sleeping and to actually yeah. sleep properly. Um, I think I could sleep anywhere. <laughs> but as deeply, like if you know you're being watched, do you not think that's a bit unusual? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's the idea of being watched that makes me not not be okay with that i don't think i volunteer for a sleep study but some people go to these sleep clinics don't they get watched for a week sleeping and then get given some feedback on sleep yeah. things yeah um so when they were doing it obviously we spoke before about nrem and rem sleep and 
the the metabolic activity or the the kind of activation in the brain during NREM where we've got these very deep symmetrical waves is really really low so um, everything kind of shuts or powers down like a dimmer switch and it's much less activated whereas when we're in REM sleep um, the brain kind of lights up and goes a bit crazy and we spoke about the brain waves in REM sleep being um, really similar to that when we're awake so there are um, four main sections of the brain when it comes to this topic and one is the visual visuospatial regions um, basically allow us to have um, like visual perception one is the motor cortex which is all of our movements the other is the hippocampus which is like autobiographical memory so our internal uh, memory and dialogue and then there's the emotional centers of the brain now when i said that dreaming was um, emotion driven the emotion centers of the brain are 30% more active in REM sleep than when we're awake, which is, uh, I mean, it's an incredible statistic to have one third more emotional capacity when you're sleeping than when you're awake. I think actually during the day, I would find an extra 30% quite useful sometimes um, to cope with everything that's kind of coming in. But that's where sleep has this emotional and mental health um, like benefit for us because we are, um, just like because everything else is powered down, more attention can be given to that, and it allows us to process things while we're asleep. Is that not? Is that not why it's thirty percent less active when we're awake, though? Because people are so driven by their emotions anyway. If you had that extra thirty percent day to day, I feel like the world would just be chaos. See, I wonder because I the way I perceive this, and the way possibly because of the research that I read has led me to this conclusion, is that it's the emotion center of the brain, so it's not the actions that we're taking it's the think of it as like um this my own analogy like if you've got uh, a, a pint glass and during the day it fills up with water and that's kind of the emotion or emotive situations and it just fills up with water and then at some point it overflows and we have a little like yeah. freak out whatever it is if you increase the size of that pint glass by 30 percent you don't okay, have yeah, that, that kind of overspill so yeah. you've just got a bigger bucket to put the emotions into and to process them effectively instead of them sort of spilling everywhere yeah yeah that yeah, was um that was how i took it um but i thought it maybe we'll just um touch briefly on how dream data is collected so the when these uh, areas of the brain are activated when we're sleeping we can tell when someone's gone into rem sleep because the brain sort of lights up on these scans and what they would do is they would allow people to enter this state and then they would wake them up and ask them a, a set of questions. They would recall what they saw and then they would go back to sleep because they were doing it immediately and they were doing it whilst they were still, or while they had been in the REM sleep in the dream, most of the time they were able to accurately recall what they'd been dreaming about. And they split this up into categories <clears throat> and basically tracked patterns around you know, like common things, you know, were you driving, were you arguing, were you with someone you love, it's etc. And they could then correlate the what they were seeing on the scan with the type of dream that you were having, and then reverse engineered that so that when they saw that on the brain scan, they could wake you up and tell you what you were dreaming about. Um, so that's how we can kind of read people's minds in, in inverted commas when they're dreaming. Right, yeah, I'm just trying to make sense of that. Okay, that. That doesn't quite work, does it? Say say you're dreaming about something 
so the emotional part of your brain lights up then i wake you up and you tell me what it's about and then you go back to sleep again yeah just because that area of your brain lights up again sure it doesn't mean that you're having or dreaming about the same emotion so it's not necessarily the emotive part that they were looking at it's those four regions the visuospatial um the motor so they could tell that it was a dream relating to to movement because that part of the brain was lit up um so it's not like you could be observed sleeping and i could tell you that you were dreaming about driving in the south of france or driving to work or whatever it was but i would know that you were dreaming about something to do with movement yeah 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 um so it's not uber specific but it gives uh, an indication uh, of yeah. what someone was dreaming about just from that correlation of which part of the brain was lighting up and i just i thought that was really really interesting um uh, as a way to kind of yeah observe and when we look at people with sleep disorders um that that becomes more difficult because of the lack of REM sleep so the lack of dreaming and like i said about the pint glass and overflowing and being 30 percent bigger if you have a sleep disorder or you're not getting sufficient sleep you're not processing your emotions from the from the day in the same way that somebody else would and actually it it can lower your um ability to identify and correctly respond to emotions so there was a really interesting experiment that was done where people were shown um a set of disturbing images so whether that was well i I don't really need to go into it we can all picture what a disturbing image might be um so they're shown these disturbing images and they're asked questions on how they were feeling and they they had these nodes on their brain again and and the correct centers of the brain were lighting up um to do with disgust or um anger or hurt or something like that depending on what they were shown and then they were sent away and they were asked the same things again um 12 hours later now one um control group was kept awake and the other group was allowed to have a full sleep and then they were shown the pictures again um and the group that had been asleep had a lower brain activation and also self-reported a lower level of disgust and anger and hurt and all of those things whereas those that hadn't been asleep uh, reported the same or higher and that was reflected in their brain scan as well so having been to sleep we were able to process what we had seen and put it into uh kind of like numb numb the impact of it because we'd been asleep so when people say like why don't you just sleep on it when you've had an argument or something like that you actually come back the next day much better prepared um to deal with with whatever it was um which was particularly evident in how people perceived emotions so they were shown uh, another one was uh, the same kind of experiment in terms of one group was allowed to sleep and one wasn't and they were shown pictures of people's faces and in the first instance both people or both groups i should say were able to accurately interpret the emotion on the the images they were shown whereas the next day one group without deep sleep and one with the sleep um those who hadn't had sleep scored much much lower on their ability to perceive uh correctly how other people were feeling and not only were they inaccurate they were inaccurate and negative so somebody might have a very neutral expression and they would say they were sad or that they were angry or something like that and they would start to internalize those things and it it created a very negative outlook on the world because they thought people were being negative towards them Um, because they they just didn't have the ability that that emotional um 
area of the brain hadn't had the chance to kind of reboot and and create that understanding and if you think about that from like a developmental point of view um as humans we're like 80 percent of communication is nonverbal. so if you're skewed to negative with 80 percent of the communication that you receive that's that's yeah. fairly significant across the whole day right so you can have a very negative day based on your own mistakes yeah i mean i i don't know if you've like had that at work sometimes we think that person was like super crabby with me today um and maybe they weren't it was just your interpretation of it because you understand well yeah um yeah i just find the whole uh like the idea that five people could see the same thing and interpret it differently and your perception is your reality i find that whole concept quite interesting um obviously that adds another layer to it because You've got there's just more layers of complexity is it if someone's lost that well and they're interpreting stuff even further from reality yeah i mean i i don't know how true this is and i don't think there's actually any way to prove it but they say that if you walked past a carbon copy of yourself in the street you wouldn't recognize yourself because you perceive yourself so differently to how you perceive others actually look yeah yeah um yeah have you read have you read um any of freud's theory about sleep so he he was in this, um, and I haven't oh, gone into cool, too cool. much. Haven't gone into too much detail on him because a lot of his theory was around dreaming, in particular. Was he sort of made statements that couldn't be proved or disproved? Yeah, and, uh, like a lot of his theories in general have been disproved now, and he's like a bit of a almost like joke in psychology lectures now. But um, I know his theory around sleep was to do with understanding your un unconscious mind, wasn't it? And did yeah. Yeah, but now we've brought that into a greater understanding where we know that it's not necessarily unconscious because our conscious mind drives the emotion that our unconscious is then processing and it kind of goes in a two-way street as opposed to yeah. just your unconscious mind being in control in the background. Yeah. So like one feeds into the other, um, which was, yeah, to me kind of makes a bit more sense, I think. The, the thing I find interesting about that is say um, say you're trying to understand your motivation to do something and you can access this certain um, conscious part of your brain for why you might want to do something, then actually the, the unconscious part of your brain, I've always seen it in psychology text drawn as an iceberg where you've got your conscious mind at the top and yeah. unconscious is all that stuff underneath. Yeah. Um, so I'd find it interesting from the point of like, if you can recollect your dreams and get insight into your unconscious mind, I feel like it could help you make sense of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, it wasn't included in this book at all, but um, I like listening to uh, a podcaster, Rob Dial. He's called The Motivation Mentor, I think is his, his title. Um, and he talks about dream journals and, and journaling and how if you wake up and if you remember your dream, just keep a notepad and pen next to you and you write it down. And then that gives your conscious mind the like a greater opportunity to reflect on what you were dreaming about so we've got this kind of emotional capacity when we're sleeping and it's driven by emotion we know that now but then we're able to reflect on it for a greater period of time whilst we're awake because we've written it down we haven't forgotten it yeah um he's, he speaks a lot about that and, and enjoys the creativity and there are some wonderful um experiences um that he spoke about in terms of like the creative mind and the light bulb uh, which we spoke about that that was created uh, whilst asleep um 
because our dreaming and our REM sleep has the ability to problem solve for us. So, uh, and, and not only that, it can impact negatively impact problem solving if we don't have it. So it's not just that it's positive when we have it, it's also negative when we don't have it. Um, yeah. Just just to clarify, I don't want you to credit the light bulb to sleep because we've already given credit to cocaine <laughs> for that. So just to make it perfectly clear, it was cocaine, not the sleep that created the light bulb. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so this this problem solving, they did it through um, what they call anagrams, where you've got uh, words that are jumbled up, but they picked ones that were, they only had one correct outcome. So the example that they gave was uh, O-S-E-O-G. Uh, if you want to have a go at that, just pause now and then come back to it. But the word was goose. Um, and people who had slept and had REM sleep were able to correctly solve these, whereas those who were lacking in REM sleep were unable to or took uh, significantly longer um, in order to um, solve these problems. So in terms of like the creative brain, uh, we were able to, to adapt much better when we had REM sleep and dream sleep uh, versus uh, not having it. Yeah, I was trying to do that in my head, I couldn't do that. No, I'm very much a written down person when people give me information just um, verbally, I can't. Is it like, a, it's a beautiful mind, isn't it, where he does that, that's a great film, um, where he sort of sees, or is, we're told that he sees things up and then he draws it on his window. Have you seen that film? No. Uh, well worth watching, really good. Um, but again, he ends up being uh, paranoid schizophrenic, so sleep is something that he would have struggled with. Um, so it's quite interesting that he's portrayed as having this creative brain when actually we know that it's something that would have been significantly impacted by being a schizophrenic. So is that the film's not accurate at all? Um, oh, I don't think I'm confident enough to say that it's completely inaccurate. <laughs> Equally, I don't think it was um, meant to be a documentary. So yeah, um, I don't think they'll mind too much. Uh, then you hate those people. They're like, oh, that's not real. Yeah. That's me. Yeah, what, what are you trying to say? <laughs> You'd be a nightmare to take to Harry Potter, wouldn't you? Yeah, I've not actually watched all of those. Oh, just when I thought we were friends, eh? It's just not my thing. Fair, it's because it's not like real, game, right? It's like Game of Thrones, it's not, it's not interesting to me. No, I didn't watch all of that, actually. I didn't watch any of it. Oh, right. <laughs> I watched the first couple of seasons, I think, and then it became a bit far-fetched for me. They started dragons and all that sort of stuff. Get um, um, back to sleep, shall we? Yeah. Um, so in turn, that was what I just mentioned before about the ability to, to solve these anagrams is sort of creative thinking. But there's also links between abstract creative thinking where we're not necessarily given uh, the problem, but there is something to be solved. So... The, the problem that was given was a, a number thing and you had to solve this equation um, and then you had to solve another one and another one and another one and it was very time consuming. Now, two groups of people again were given the same experiment, uh, the same set of data, the same numbers, the same problem. One was allowed to sleep, one wasn't. And those who were allowed to sleep found the shortcut. So 60% of them found this hidden shortcut that could then be applied to all the um, equations that you had to solve and they, they did it much quicker. So 60% of people found the shortcut after they'd had sleep, whereas yeah. only 20% of people found it when they hadn't had sleep. So just because we've gone to bed, the you know, REM sleep is drawing these 
these conclusions and taking things from sort of far ends of our brain and trying to make sense of it while we're sleeping. We spoke about that before, that it makes these these weird sort of far-fetched connections. And yet it, it can be productive because it found the shortcut and, and allowed for sort of better cognitive function um, the next day, which, um, yeah, w was brilliant. Yeah, what what all of this stuff points to is it just improves your cognitive function. In yeah. A, in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so wanted to get on to um, sleep disorders now and move on from from dreaming and uh, and kind of uh, the creativity that that comes with as well. <clears throat> there were a few you kind of took the big hitters um, to to look into. Now there are umpteen sleep conditions there are loads and this is an exhaustive list um and i suppose it's probably worth saying as well that this is like research and reading that we've done it's not a diagnostic tool so if you do think you have a sleep issue go and see a doctor um but the ones we're going to look into are um i'm going to say this wrong somnambulism insomnia it, <laughs> insomnia i've got the easiest one wrong um narcolepsy and fatal familial insomnia um so we're looking at these from a scientific and like a research point of view which is where he came from um and not a kind of medical diagnosis or diagnostic so um somnambulism episodes like sleepwalking yeah. uh, so we're gonna what go so i actually looked um I did look up this definition. Shite. They used to uh, know what we're talking about now, is that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like Latin for two bits of words, movement and body. And yeah, there you go. Um, so it's basically a... We, we get stuck. So when you film someone who is sleepwalking, when they wake up, the brain activity... So this happens in N REM sleep, not REM sleep. The brain activity still says that that person is asleep, but you're looking at them awake. So their yeah. body is up, their brain is not. So they are not in control of what they are doing. And um, he said it's like a lift where you're going up to the 15th floor or something and it gets stuck at like 14 and a half. So you get this electrical stimulation of the body and your muscles start working again, but your brain's not switched on, um, which I thought was really kind of scary um but people like have these habits that they'll do so if they are someone that suffers with this they might go downstairs and open all the cupboards or like have a drink of water or all, all i can picture right now is like a step from his ass. Yeah, i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> right where's well, he, he puts the toaster in the fridge doesn't he is that what he does yeah. like yeah. handbags, handbags in the oven i think is another one that they do oh uh, yeah um, yeah so although they've made light of that situation, that kind of behavior does actually stack up and that could be something that people do. Um, so that was, I guess, sleepwalking or sleepwalking, isn't it? So um, the the causes for that are not currently fully understood, but we understand what's happening when it is happening because we've been able to study that, but we don't necessarily know um, what it is that makes somebody do that in the first place. Um, insomnia, the next one, I'll say it correctly this time. So this is the inability to sleep, not somebody who is lacking sleep. 
So if you're just overtired, you've got a young child or you've been working for 30 hours straight, something like that, you're you're not suffering from insomnia. That's sleep deprivation or exhaustion. Um, it's the inability to um, sleep. So you can't, when you go to bed, it takes you hours to fall asleep or you fall asleep quite quickly, but you'll wake up every hour. Um, both of those are um, definitions of insomnia. And there are sort of, subtypes uh, of this um, like I said sleep onset so people who stay awake uh, to the early hours uh, and then sleep maintenance so those are the two correct terms for those um, I sleep really well but I wake up every hour etc and we we know that from the things we've spoken about before if you're waking up every hour you're not achieving those those full sleep cycles so you're missing out predominantly on REM sleep and, and we've spoken about the the lack of creativity the memory um mood changes etc that, that that can come with so that's um really quite serious as, as a condition um and um yes that's those two but um to get a definition of this it has actually listed the or i've written down the the list of definitions you need to have um dissatisfaction with sleep quality quality or quantity so you present that you're feeling tired you're not happy with how you're falling asleep or that you're constantly waking up um you're suffering from significant distress or daytime impairments so the inability to drive to work or carry out basic tasks because you're struggling so much with exhaustion um, and then it needs to be for at least three nights a week for more than three months um, and it needs to not coexist with any other mental disorder that could otherwise look like insomnia so where we've spoken about um, some forms of depression or uh, schizophrenia in the past in, in previous episodes they can reduce the REM sleep so if you're just looking purely at someone's brainwaves you might say oh yeah okay that's sleep maintenance insomnia whereas actually it's not it's it's the schizophrenia or it's the the depression that, that's causing that issue with the brainwaves so I think it's probably more difficult to diagnose than we think and then know what the cause of that is of insomnia yeah no again um it isn't but one of the things that this leads to is um sleeping pills and this was a this was a really interesting um section of the research so sleeping pills or sleep medication is worth 30 billion a year in the us in prescriptions and over-the-counter medication which is an astronomical figure when you think about like spending in other areas like imagine what you could do with 30 billion dollars yeah. and they basically don't work um so insomnia has a relative uh sort of rate of genetic um predisposition to it so somewhere between 28 and 45 percent of people who suffer uh, from insomnia it's that's the the chance that their uh, children will have symptoms of it or have it as well um but basically sleep uh sleeping medications work as essentially sedatives so they just lower the activity to allow an amount of rest but they don't actually allow for sleep in the same way that 
someone without one of these conditions would consider sleep to be. You don't get the full benefits. So it's like we spoke about alcohol. You yeah. wake up feeling very unrested. It's because alcohol is a sedative and it suppresses, um, I think, the prefrontal cortex um, to, to allow you to, to feel like you're asleep. But it's basically like a, a super mild, um, what's it like um, when you go in for surgery? What's the word? Anesthetic. 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 Yeah. 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 That's right. I hope we're right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Because so, yeah, have local general, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like a very mild version of that. So you're not actually resting. You're not sleeping. You're not getting the benefits. Um, and that's what these sleeping medications are doing. And people can become very, very dependent on these, whether it's from a sort of psychosomatic point of view um, or a, a, a very sort of um, real point of view where they they enjoy that that sedation because it allows them to go uh, or feel like they're sleeping better but um across uh, the period of um research which i think from memory was about 10 years um you were 2.6 more time times more likely uh to die in that that research period if you were taking sleep medication uh, you are also, I think, up to three and a half or four times, I think, um, likely to um, develop cancer in that period of time um, versus the control group that were taking no uh, sleeping medication at all. Um, but what I think is a really good um, point to make is that that's not linked to or directly to sleep medication. It's not that these things were causing those illnesses or, or that death. It's that because you weren't sleeping, it, you then had that suppressed immune system and your inability to fight um, infection, to, to fight cancer in the way that's been spoken about in, in our last episode. So because you're sedated, not sleeping, um, you, were, you were still suffering the effects of it despite thinking that you were actually asleep. Um, so there we go. Um, that was insomnia. Um, and, and kind of a con common treatment method for insomnia. The, the ways that it's meant to be, or modern science thinks that it, that it should be treated, is through uh, cognitive, cognitive behavioural therapy um, and by uh, having very set sleep and wake times. So actually not trying to go to sleep until you feel like you should be asleep. Um, that was part of it. So at least the sleep you were having was good quality, but you're saving the set wake time because if you uh, don't sleep till one o'clock in the morning and then you sleep in till 9am, you're, you're going to suffer more consequences the next evening. Whereas if you set your wake time at seven o'clock, despite having a shorter sleep window, the likelihood of better sleep the next night is higher. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was one of the things that I read about recently was, um, like you said, if you're not feeling tired, just don't go to bed. You can stay up and watch a film or whatever, but just make sure yeah. you get up at the same time each day. Yeah, exactly that. And you always uh, want to, the guy I listened speaking about it, almost prioritise quality over quantity for that. Yeah, absolutely. Quality over quantity. Um, so the next condition is narcolepsy. Have you heard of this before? Yeah, it's where you just fall asleep like yeah, the time, isn't it? Yeah, so it's daytime sleepiness. Um, you can have daytime sleep attacks and we're not talking like, um, you know, sitting in like a really boring talk or... I fall asleep for days all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like doing that that sort of thing and just feeling like you're nodding off and then falling asleep. We're talking like instant, you're mid-conversation, 
and then you're asleep. Yeah. Like they, they don't necessarily see it coming. Um, and the 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 next sort of worrying symptom, apart from this daytime uh, sleepiness, is sleep paralysis. So it's a loss of ability to talk or move when waking up from sleep. So you could wake up, but your body is like completely non-functioning. Yeah, I've had this. It's weird. Yeah. Um, your brain, in REM sleep, we've spoken about how your brain paralyzes your muscles, and that's how we can kind of track it on wearables, is the lack of movement so that we're not acting out our dreams. But um, when, when, but the person's awake, but this paralysis still remains. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy. And I think that could be pretty scary to have. Um, the other is like you can be mid-conversation uh, and then collapse. Um, you, you'll just fall on the floor. Um, the sleep's probably only lasted a couple of seconds, but it looks like fainting. But actually, you have, you've had that sleep. And obviously, that has huge implications for like driving or even having a bath or something like that because yeah, yeah. You, you're at serious risk. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, that was... Uh, narcolepsy um so there were uh familial insomnia so fatal familial insomnia was uh it, it this is incredibly rare and uh, it spoke about a named person who i can't remember the name of who basically started developing insomnia and never went back to sleep um and, and ultimately died um, say, yeah, so I think it lasted about three months, um, and this this person ultimately just died. Um, this is incredibly rare. Uh, tend to think it's genetic, um, but there you go. Like those are the four kind of main um, conditions. So we had the sleepwalking, we had insomnia, uh, narcolepsy, and then fatal familial insomnia, which. To be honest, it exists, and I think it's worth talking about, but because it's so ridiculously rare, um, yeah. it, it's not worth, well, I didn't deem it worth the sort of time going into, into real depth with. Um, but, yeah, the others I thought were really interesting, and I definitely learned about narcolepsy. It's a term that I've heard of, but I've never um, kind of understood before. So, yeah, that was really interesting. Um, so that's kind of the summary of today was um, dreaming uh, is our um our sort of emotion uh, emotional buffer it kind of takes the the sting out of what we've been feeling and allows us to make clear decisions it helps us deal with uh, more complex cognitive functioning the next day in terms of creative thinking uh, and it also allows us to perceive other people's emotions more accurately um, and not only more accurately but if we don't have it then we're inaccurate and negative um, which can, you know, the negativity bias in people, that's, that's very easy to believe, but that can have a, a real um, dampening impact on, on mental health. Uh, and then we were looking at conditions. We had sleepwalking, insomnia, um, narcolepsy, and f fatal familial insomnia. Um, sleepwalking was where you were awake but not awake so cognitively you were asleep but um, physically you're awake somatically you were you were moving insomnia was split into two types so we had uh, the inability to fall asleep uh, or the ability to maintain sleep so you slept well but kept waking up every hour etc so sleep maintenance insomnia uh, narcolepsy daytime tiredness collapsing um, which is I think cataplexy is the the term used for that 
Um, and then fatal familial insomnia was a, a condition where you were unable to sleep basically ever again. Um, but that didn't last very long because of the, the high fatality rate with, with that condition. Yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, and next week is our last episode on sleep, is that right? Yeah, last episode on sleep, which we're going to target. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a summary, but also looking at like sleep hygiene, sleep habits, effective kind of tips and tricks that you can take away and, and kind of implement because, you know, it's understandable that people don't necessarily have more hours. We can't create more hours in the day to sleep. So if you're constrained by immovable things, what can you do differently to at least improve your sleep quality? Um, so that's where next week's going to focus. That sounds really good. I, I guess at the end of the day, most people, unless you're like us, who are interested in the details, just want to know what I should be doing to... Yeah, exactly that. And that's what next improve. week's going to be all about what yeah. you should be doing. And then after that, I'm going to go back to chewing everyone's ear off about some training related stuff. So you've got that to look forward to as well. Um, thanks all for listening. And make sure you tune in next week um, to listen to that final episode on sleep.